Hello, and welcome to I Get That A Lot. I'm Jim Fishwick. Every episode, I bring a guest on the show who tells us about all the annoying jokes that they hear on a regular basis. This week's guest is Alex, and Alex is a hacker. Yes, a hacker, like with computers and stuff. Alex has a broad range of interests, including magic, lockpicking, pickpocketing, and conference organising, but they've also done several high-profile hacking projects, perhaps most notably obtaining the phone number and passport details of former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott, off the back of which they were fortunate? Let's go with that. Enough to be... Fortunate? Let's go with that. Fortunate enough to be invited on Australian breakfast television, resulting in a very funny interview that we talk about in the episode. Their full name is Alex Hope, but they really only go by Alex, uh, after a journalist wrote a story about their work and referred to them as, quote, a hacker who goes by the name Alex. I think the journalist was expecting hackers to have usernames like Skeleton Hacksaws 52 or something like that but uh, the hacker known as Alex stuck. And in many ways, it perfectly exemplifies a lot of Alex's work, which is about deflating hype and challenging stereotypes of what hacking actually is. A lot of the stereotypes of people in hoodies with green text, not so much. I had a great time talking to Alex, who is very gentle, very self-deprecating, and very funny, and will probably hate this earnest introduction. The only thing to say is that due to some tech issues, oh, the irony, tech issues, I've had to use the backup recording of Alex's side of the conversation, which in a way works out as it gives the whole conversation a retro internet sort of vibe. Anyway, I'll be back at the end with more things, but for now, here's I Get That A Lot with Alex, the hacker. Hello, my name is Alex, and right now my official job is to hack the place that I work. Real hackers, they don't tell you if you miss something, they kind of just hack you and sell your information on the dark web, and my job is to hack the place I work and then not sell the information on the dark web, and uh, show them how we did it instead. I also, uh, not professionally, thank goodness, but do magic tricks, and that is the kind of thing that people feel the need to make jokes about, so perhaps we'll talk about that. What are those jokes? Before we say this disclaimer... When people find out that I do magic, they feel the instinct to bully me for it, and that's correct. Magicians deserve to be bullied. That is how it is. They're not, they're not wrong to feel that instinct. And when the, one of the most common things people do uh, is, like, if they're not kind of being really confrontational, is they'd be like, oh, you do magic, how can you make my wife disappear? And I'm like, oh, oh my god, I'm so sorry about your stressful marriage. Like, everyone just laughs, but I'm, I'm stressed about it, you know? Like, I've seen that in a bunch of stand-up comedy routines, stand-up comedians be like, oh, you know, I hate my wife, hey, fellas, and everyone's like, everyone's laughing along, and I'm like, wait, no, stop, why isn't anyone saying anything? Do you get people saying, oh, can you show me a trick? Yeah, of course, and then I'm like, great, that's what I'm here for, you're here for this, I'm here for this, everyone's a winner. Sometimes there are people who, like, the kind of people who, like, like seeing magic tricks as, like, because it's entertaining and it's fun to watch. And there's the kind who, like, think that you're challenging them to intellectual combat and, like, that there is a winner and a loser in magic tricks, which I find difficult because that's not what I'm trying to do. But there are, like, people do do magic in that sort of confrontational way. But, like, I don't know, if someone was, like, juggling or playing music for you, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I know how you played that. Like, okay. 
either they think that it's a challenge for them to try and figure out how it works. Uh, some people just they, they treat metrics like puzzles that they want to solve, which is very valid. Whatever they as long as they like it, that's okay. Uh, but yes, there are some magicians who do magic in a way that is very like you sort of embarrass someone socially or like you are you are the winner socially and your like your poor audience volunteer has like lost socially or looks like a fool or something and i don't do that i don't like doing that but i can see why people would feel like they need to challenge me to intellectual combat if that's what they've experienced before so if that's not your approach to magic what would you say is your approach to magic wow i haven't actually thought about that before what I, I don't know how it actually is. I haven't watched myself do it. But what I want my approach to magic to be is that I'm just there and you, you're helping me out with some extremely specific task that it, it always ends up being because it's a magic trick. Like, oh, can you hold this and rotate it like this and think about this? And then, like, it doesn't seem like I'm doing anything, but the magic seems to be happening. And I seem to also not be, like, I also seem to be participating in it, but it's happening somehow anyway. I think that's what I prefer. To go back to something you said earlier, when you introduced yourself, you didn't say, I'm a magician. You said, I do some magic. Is there a difference between those things for you? For me, yes, there is. But I understand that for a lot of people, there's not. The short answer for why I did that is that I don't self-identify as a magician, as in it's not my part of my identity, mostly because of... Like, I love doing magic, and it's really fun, and I love learning about it. But uh, basically, I don't really get along with any of the other magicians that I've met. I'm like, um, jeez, this is so sad. Like, I don't really get it. You know, I think there might be a lot of insecurity in magicians, which is just, I know that probably that's an original take no one said before, but yeah, yikes. That and it's not my like job or anything. Like some people say I'm a something that means it's their job. Like if you're an actor, that kind of makes it sound like the occupation of the thing that you do all the time is that, but it's more like a hobby for me. I'd like to say it's because of the professionalism in the title, but that would be me like retroactively adding that. It's really because I thought oh, I really don't want to self-identify as a magician. When I see other magicians, I'm like, hmm, I'm not like that. I'm not like the other girls. I drink books and read tea. In your introduction, you also said that you do hacking. Would you call yourself a hacker? Guess so. My Twitter bio has Australia's only hacker in it. But, you know, that's not true. There are many. Just no one's ever met one. Um, I guess so. I mean, that describes what I do. Again, it's not really part of my identity. I don't really self-identify with it. I like doing it, but it's not like who I am as a person or what I want to do particularly. If you search on Google Images for a hacker, you get, like, a person with no face in a black hoodie, like, with JavaScript flying around them. And that's basically what I do day to day. Some time ago, I went to the Channel 7 building at, like, 7.30 in the morning to record an interview on Sunrise, which is a early morning TV show that in my experience, is only watched by the receptionist at the doctor's office that I go to, because she's the only one who said, hey, I saw you on this TV show. And I think that it's probably good that so few people watch it, (laughs) because I think the people who watch it kind of watch it vaguely in the morning while they're sort of, I don't know, getting ready or something. And, you know, I love that for them. And I went on the TV show to talk about how I found former Prime Minister and servant to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Tony Abbott's passport number. I went to the studio for the interview, and as soon as I got there, the person who was interviewing me was wearing a head-to-toe pink suit. And the first thing she said to me, she was very awake, because I assume that she's used to being awake at this time. And she was like, wow, you didn't look how I expected. And I was like, what did you what did you expect? And then she was like, ha ha ha, anyway. And I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> I guess not. And then we went to this very dark studio with like 
a table with two chairs in the middle, but there was like a lot of space around it. It was very ominous energy. I got there and I was like, oh, it's so dark. Uh, are you going for like a hacker vibe or do we need to turn the lights on? And they were like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, we just use this studio for another show and we don't want people to realize it's the same studio. So we're making it look different by turning the lights off. And I was like, oh, okay. Is that why we have the blue lights over there? And they were like, hmm. anyway. And they asked me to bring my laptop to the interview. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. What what for? Do I need to use it? And they were like, oh, no, just as a prop. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, my laptop has a sticker on it that says unregistered hypercam 2 and a bunch of other, like, dumb content on it. There's, like, a goose on it. There's, like, a very, very long baguette in uh, amongst buildings in New York City. There's a lot of, like, dumb content on this laptop. But if they want it to be on TV, that's up to them. So I did that, and the interview questions were, like, fairly normal. They just, they just wanted me to tell the same story so they could, like, cover the story. The interview questions weren't anything particularly different. But the resulting five-minute, like, clip is, like incredibly good content it's like i would have had to go to so much effort to make a parody of me doing an interview but they have done it for me unironically it's the unironicness it's the sincerity with which they made this without hesitating without laughing without thinking that it's like a strange thing to do at all that makes it so funny for me there are like digital computer lenses and like target acquired kind of situations on top of tony abbott there's like me trying to make me look dodgy like uh, looking down and like a, some sort of edgy hacker meanwhile i'm there in like full clown mode with my like hair dyed and everything and it's really not working it's beautiful I guess it's that people only have the perception of like Hollywood hacking. Like when people when they think of hacking, they've only seen hacking in like Hollywood action movies. There's and so it's like a person saying I'm in with a hoodie and everything, and there's like you know typing really fast and like indecipherable text on the screen. And I guess that's all that their editing team has in the way of ways to portray hacking because that's all people know about. And so that is what the interview ended up looking like, and it's incredible. This is probably a hard thing for you to have perspective on, but if the TV producers had showed what you actually do, do you think that that would be legible to a mainstream audience? I think it would be legible in the sense that they'd be like, oh, they're just using a computer and just Googling stuff furiously and like getting super into this particular part of it. Huh, I wonder why. Like it'd be, it would look pretty similar to you, you using a computer. It's just, I guess maybe there would be some like, you know, some code on the screen, but like, no one ever reads the code on the screen. They're just like, okay, you're doing coding. So I think that would be totally legible, yeah. I feel like in movies and stuff, hacking is always described or portrayed. I can say portrayed if I'm not in like high school English, right? I can do that. Hacking is always portrayed as the thing that is really complicated that you don't understand. Like you, the audience, I mean. In the sense that like they never explain how they're hacking. They just they just do it's kinda of like magic. They just do a magic they say magic computer words and then the thing happens and they say I'm in. And so I think a lot of people think that they wouldn't understand hacking because of that. But, I mean, that's not true. It's just like learning anything. It's just a thing you can learn. How much of your hacking life is spent looking at incomprehensible code on a screen? Uh, not very much. I mean, there is there are some parts where you're looking at like looking at code on the screen and trying to understand how it works. And like that part is often critical to the process. But by like by time, it's like, I don't know, less than 20%, less than 10%. It varies, but like on average... Doing hacking is basically the same as doing competitive learning. You're just trying to understand how the thing works more than the people who are using it. And so there's a lot of like Googling things and reading documentation pages, not all of them reading the important bits, or just experimenting with something and poking at it to see what happens and trying to learn how it works. 
I'm going to define hacking as people who are hacking for the sake of getting something. So like people who are doing crime or people who are like a government or something, not like a thing that is technically hacking, but you're just doing it to show off. I'm going to define it as like hacking motivated by, you know, wanting something to change. Capital H hacking. It is almost all finding the person's password somehow by figuring out what their phone number is or what their baseball team is or whatever. And this is not because that is more elegant or natural or whatever. It's because that is the dumbest, easiest way to solve the problem. And so that is what people do just because it costs less time and effort and energy, right? By far the easiest way to like hack something somewhere, a person, a place, a company, is to like get access to passwords of some sort or credentials or phone numbers or like lo- like login tokens or like email inboxes or something. Obtain the correct password, log into something, and then look at all the new stuff you can see now that you've logged into that thing and then obtain more passwords for things and keep doing that until you've obtained access to the thing that you're trying to obtain access to. This is not a particularly elegant way, but it is the like easiest, lowest energy way to do something. So that is why it is the most popular and the most common. One of the most common jokes people say, or like things people say when they learn that I do like hacking, is that they're like, oh, you know, maybe you can like hack my bank account, huh? Give me some more zeros, give me some more dollars in my bank account. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we and I'm like, haha, yeah, what a funny, no, that would be like, a, that would be a crime. Also, you get caught, how do you explain where you got the money from? Like, you know, like, I know they're not literally being serious, but I don't know what to say in response, you know? Do you think maybe that's because they see hacking as necessarily being a negative thing and they're trying to find a positive spin on it? Maybe. I don't, I'm not actually sure. I think I'm really just feeling this way about it or talking about it this way because I'm like, it's difficult to say you do hacking without people thinking that you do like crime for your job. And they're like, oh, you know, let's let's do some crime. Let's like hack a bank. Like, I know they're joking. I know they don't literally mean that. But like, oh, it's like, let's go rob a bank. It's like, well, I mean, like... Like, no, but do you think that's what I actually do? Like, I know you're joking, but, like, do you think that I actually run banks? Because, like, that's not what it's about. Actually, this reminds me of something totally unrelated about magicians. Whenever people learn that there are two people who both do magic, like, oh, my friend does magic, or, like, oh, you two both do magic or something, their instinct for what they what they then say, what they then expect, is they're like, so are you going to fight? Are you going to, like, duel? Are you going to, you know, compete to show us which of you is, like, the, the winner, the best at this? And it's like, no. If you so like jugglers do that they wouldn't have like a juggling competition if you saw like people who play piano they'd be like oh you both play piano huh so you're gonna are you gonna like duel in front of us on the stage we have two pianos like that's not what people do but i don't know why everyone always expects it the magicians never want to fight because like what what are you kidding are you kidding but it's probably similar to what we were saying earlier about how some people think that someone doing magic for you is them like trying to like win or assert your social status or something and so they're like well you can't both be the one doing that so one of you has to be the best which of you is the alpha magician words that i wish i'd never said in that order i'm so sorry going back a second if you wanted to break into someone's bank account to add lots of zeros at the end would you be able to (laughs) i was wondering if you would say that um Short answer, I don't know, because I know bank like hacking is like slightly different. The part where you hack into a company or a computer, that part's the same. The actual money storage thing is like in Swift, and I don't really know what Swift is. It's like a different kind of, it's like the money network. I don't really know how it works. So I don't know about that part. But my understanding from all my hacker friends whose job is to like do what I do, but for various banks, is that bank security is like the meme. Because it's like 
it's so important. It has all the money in it, but bank security is always like devastatingly bad, according to them. Devastatingly insecure in the sense that their security setup is like 10 years old and it would have been like very easy to hack 10 years ago kind of situation. I think that's kind of why the if you get hacked, your bank account gets hacked and you lose money, uh, the bank just pays you back. Uh, that is their security. They don't guarantee that you won't get hacked. <laughs> that That's too hard. It's cheaper for them to say, okay, you might get hacked, but when, if you do, we'll just pay for it. That's easier for us than trying to secure this, this mess. And it's kind of cool, but kind of deeply stressful. You say that people have a certain response when you say that you're a hacker or that you do hacking. Have you tried phrasing what you do in different ways, like saying that you work in, I don't know, cybersecurity or just IT in general? I considered it very briefly and then decided that I did not want to say cybersecurity because while it's probably more accurate uh, in terms of what way I work in, I don't know about what I do, but cybersecurity is the... It's a different flavor of the same thing, and it's the business way of saying hacking. It's the way that you say hacking if you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but it's the same thing otherwise. Like, it doesn't mean anything different. There's no, no one can tell you the difference between them. So one time when I was at the border of, a, like, at the airport in border place, they asked, like, what do you do for work or something? And I was like, oh, computer stuff, uh, because I didn't, like, no one cares exactly what computer stuff you do. And they were like, computer stuff? What kind of computer stuff? Not hacking, right? And I was like... No, no, definitely not hacking, just software engineering. Just that, you know, you know computers. And they were like, okay, welcome to the country. I organized this hacking conference called PurpleCon. Uh, when I say conference, you might be thinking of like academics with like, you know, glasses of water on the table and stuff. It's not like that. It's more like a convention or maybe festival or like a, co- a conference is a lot more organized than what hacker conferences are. And there's lots of ways that it's different. The most obvious way is everything is like pastel purple and like sparkly and it's been described as aesthetic in a fixed width font. And I get that. And that was very like on purpose because when we realized we were like, oh, we're making our own con, like we can do whatever we want. Like, oh, con is short for conference, not like con artistry, oh boy. And then we were like, oh, we can have it however we want. Oh, let's make it like all like this. Let's make it all cute and like exciting and sparkly. And we did this because that's the kind of aesthetic we like anyway. But we also realized that like, I don't know, Every other hacking-related thing or cybersecurity-related thing is what we talked about before. The, like, someone wearing, like, a black hoodie or, like, skulls and crossbones or, like, green text on black backgrounds or, like, you have to look like you're in an 80s heavy metal band to, like, fit in. One of the things we noticed is that my understanding of looking at the historical archives from as far back as the 80s is that hacker culture has always been about rebelling or, like, not following the rules or breaking the rules. That's kind of what hacking is, right? You break the rules. And doing whatever you want, because, like, if you can do whatever you want, like, once you hack a computer, you can do whatever you want. Just hack it, then do nothing. You must, there's something you must want to do. And we're like, oh, if you can do whatever you want on a computer, you can do whatever you want in real life, and everyone's rebelling, and that's fine, but they seem to have all chosen to rebel in the same way. They've all gone for this, like, heavy metal aesthetic, which is, like, it's fine. It's a good and valid aesthetic. It's just that, oh, it's all the same. So we were like, oh, well, let's make, like, as far away as we can from that, the, the opposite. Not to, like, compete, but to show that, like, hey, look, you can also do this. And we hope also other people also do their own thing, which is, like, neither of those things, because they should be able to do what they want, right? Mm. It reminds me of the way that punk emerged in the late 70s with a specific, like, mohawk and safety pins aesthetic, because it was rebelling against the mainstream. But there's a certain kind of punk enthusiast <laughs> who has sort of stuck with that aesthetic, despite it not necessarily being that authentically rebellious anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, like, what you're describing is, like, the hacker aesthetic, the old school one. But, like, 
hackers aren't like that. Hackers aren't like very cool, rebellious. They have a lot of like punk anger. They like love to commit crimes and do whatever punk people are supposed to do. They're just like huge nerds who like look at computers and like read documentation. Like they're the most nerdy, even more nerdy than like people who make computer stuff. And like that's fine. It's okay to me. But like the cosplay doesn't match, you know. Earlier on, you said that academic conferences are a lot more organized than hacking conferences. Would you say that hackers generally tend to be organized people? No. In general, I would say hackers are the opposite of organized people. Not in that they are disorganized, but in that they are chaotic, because that is my experience of hackers. But I think I can see why that might happen, because like being chaotic and disorganized and, like I don't know, otherwise coming having a lot of like weird or uh I'm about, i was gonna say coming up with a lot of weird ideas but it means a lot of bad ideas is often a good way to like try and hack something because like all you have to do is come up with an idea that someone else hasn't thought of and so if you're very chaotic and you have a lot of bad ideas most of them will be ideas that no one has thought of because they're bad but occasionally one of them actually works and you're like oh i did it crime time Earlier on, you said that the producers at Sunrise said you don't look like what they expected a hacker to look like. You have gorgeous pink and purple hair. Are there things that people will say a lot about your hair? Yeah, they'll say, did you did you doubt yourself? Do you doubt yourself? Or things like that. Or like, whoa, that's so cool. Or I was going to say, they'll say, have you seen uh, the Scott Pilgrim movie? They don't say that. They just quietly think about Ramona Flowers and look at me and say nothing and... Uh, silently judge me, which is disastrous for me. Not joke, but people do always ask me, actually. I cannot count the number of times people have asked me about my shoes. I often wear please disregard the Ramona Flowers comment from earlier when you process what I'm about to say. Uh, on shoes, one one's one colour, one's another colour. One's, uh, one's blue and one's pink. And the people very often say, like, wait, so did you buy one pink pair and one blue pair and swap them? Or, like, do you have two pairs at home? Or, like, what's what's going on here? And the answer is neither. The shoes that I bought were white, and they've been painted by my little sister, which is very cute. But I've had that conversation so, so many times. Did you choose the colours, or did your sister? I chose them. I don't know. They're just, for some reason, the things that I like tend to be pink, purple, and blue coloured. And so everyone's always like, wow, you're so coordinated, you're so matching. And then eventually they figure out that if you only like three colours and they all match, you can't lose. Your name is Alex. Are there a lot of Alex jokes that you'll get frequently? No, and thank goodness. When I was a kid, I realized that I thought nothing rhymed with Alex, and I learned that there are two words in English that rhyme with Alex. The good one is italics, right? And people have also said metallics. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'll take it. It's only me that knows what rhymes with Alex. I, I, I'm explaining to myself why no one has tried to come up with Alex-based nicknames uh, or make make Alex puns. It's because there aren't any, and or there are only italics. I can't think of how you would do that, but yeah. Well, your full name is Alex Hope, which is very similar to Alexander Pope, the 18th century poet. I assume you get jokes about that on The Daily? No, I never even thought of that. No, I haven't had any jokes about Alex. Oh, some people have said, like, oh, I hope you do something. I'm like, ah, I get it. That's so clever, because it's the same as the name. Mm, Tell it again. But they, you know, it keeps happening anyway. It's not not a joke. It's just, like, you know, we've all kind of heard that one, and it's, like, not as good. They're like... 
second time, let alone like the tenth time. It's just, but I see what you've done there, you know. It's kind of like a dad joke, you know. And what do you think they're trying to achieve with those jokes? I don't know, probably the same thing anyone is trying to achieve. The same thing I'm trying to achieve when I make a joke, which is just to say something that, like novel or entertaining, and I should probably not bully them so much for it. Do you actually say, tell it again to their face? I wonder if I did. I think the, the time I'm thinking of is on a, like a Christmas card for my little sister. She made a joke like that. I don't, I don't think I said, tell it again. But it would be fair to say that your response was withering. Yeah, that would be, that would be valid, Your Honour. So... Ramona Flowers, is oh, no. that imitation deliberate? Is she an inspiration in any way? Oh my way? god. <laughs> it's, it's so fair of you to ask that sincerely, but also very funny. Uh, no, it's not deliberate, it's not an inspiration. Uh, I just wanted to have hair that is like has long bits of the side only, like those long side parts. And also, for unrelated, ended up choosing pink and blue as the colours to have my hair dyed. And like due to, I swear accidents, coincidences, it ends up looking kind of like the Ramona Flowers hair. The fringe is different. I understand this. But if I can be vulnerable on the podcast for a second, Jim, there was a time when I was going to get my hair cut in this way the first time with the long side parts because my friend had the long side parts and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I want that. And I wanted to show the hairdresser's picture of this. And I was like, well, I don't have pictures of my friend. I need. To, how do I get a picture of this? And I was like, and I looked around and like looked on the internet and googled and stuff it's kind of a hard thing to describe in image in words and i'm sure you can see where this is going but it devastatingly had to show the hairdresser person a picture of ramona flowers and be like listen let me be very clear about this i'm not asking you please do not please do not do this please do not make me have ramona flowers here i'm just talking about see these side bits here this is kind of what i'm going for i know my hair's not long enough I'm, i'm so sorry to walk into this place and show you an image of ramona flowers i know i'm posting cringe please understand That was the hacker known as Alex. I'm very grateful to them for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. If you'd like to read some of their adventures in the world of hacking, you can visit their website, mango.pdf.zone, or follow them on Twitter at mangopdf. I'll also include a link to the clip from the Today Show in the show notes. It's, it's beautiful. You can support the show by following us on Instagram at igetthatalotpod, or by telling a friend about the show, or by rating and reviewing us kindly on your podcast provider of choice, or by rating and reviewing every other podcast very negatively. The music in this episode is by the spectacular Louis Zong. You can see more of his music and other projects at louisong.com. I Get That A Lot is made possible by my Patreon supporters, who are, without exception, brilliant human beings. Joining the Patreon is medically proven to make you taller, a better lover, and to give you access to lots of behind-the-scenes treats, including bonus episodes of the show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode with public health advisor and comedian extraordinaire Tara McEntee. So, until next time, dear listener, bye-bye.